When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is, you know, both to those who are listening who are from an Asian and black background, but also if you are listening and, and are white sisters, we want to talk about these issues because they are very real and they have very real consequences. In some ways, the standard of beauty in the mainstream is nothing more than a your insecurity on rotation. On Ooh, rotation. Say it again. On rotation. So this brings us onto a more challenging one. Yeah. How do you navigate learning to love yourself? Mm-hmm while still wanting to change things. Hello and welcome to the To My Sisters podcast. I'm Renee. And I'm Courtney and we are your online big sisters and hosts of the To My Sisters podcast. We are all about promoting the wellness, growth and development of a community of sisters across the world. And in today's conversation, we are going to be talking about the standard of beauty. In a world where it seems the solutions to your insecurities are sold in a bottle, how do you learn to feel beautiful in a culture which dictates what beauty is we discuss colorism featureism and learning to love your hair drawing on our own experiences so miss renee hello (laughs) um i guess the first question that i want to kick it off with Mm -hmm. is have you ever felt that you aren't beautiful oh raw straightforward straight there's no wasting time um yes of course oh Um, you as gorgeous as you are. Oh my God, stop it. <laughs> I'm blushing. I'm blushing. But no, t- um, tell us about those feelings. Not so much now. Now I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm quite confident. In oh beauty. yeah, you are definitely but there. <laughs> before, beforehand, I definitely did question mm. my beauty. I mean, physically, I was always like, I'm not like my body's not a certain way mm. and by a certain way. I was a little bit chubby slash overweight. Well, to be fair, there was a time where I didn't think I was beautiful because I wasn't skinny. Right. So I thought to be beautiful because at the time, everything that was like upheld as beautiful in the media and all that kind of stuff Mm. was really, really petite, really small women. Mm. And I wasn't it. Mm. I am like just above average height. I'm like five, seven. Mm. Um, I... I'm not a I'm not a petite babe like I'm not small mm. um and at the time I was also quite chubby so I was just like well I'm not really that beautiful mm. and a little bit of an anecdote here it still like burns me to this day wow. but I remember I had a crush on one of my friend's cousin mm. and I was like she was like to me oh um I can go and find out how he ra- rates you out of 10 this was in like I think maybe like I want to say year 11, year 10, mm. maybe year 10. Um, so yeah, she goes to to ask her cousin, like, what would you rate her out of 10? And then he said, oh, on a strong day, I would say a six out of 10. Oh, me, a six? Geez. Me. And that oh, that is soul crushing. Absolutely soul crushing. There was that. And I, I remember so vividly another incident where I think I've shared this before, either on like my YouTube video or on an episode in season one where I confided in somebody that was like around me. Oh, I have a crush on this guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. And man just said, yeah, no, she's fat and ugly. (gasps) So I was just like, 
like crushed my soul was absolutely crushed yeah and what was interesting about both of these um incidents Mm. was there was a number of factors and a number of things going on so Mm. first of all was of course the it's classic renee historian renee slash analytical renee when we break it down these were i feel microcosmic incidents of the standard of beauty today yeah so we've got the male gaze yeah the fact that beauty in those instances were defined by the male gaze. Mm. And then we've also got internalized patriarchy. We've got women in both of those situations that were conduits for patriarchy. Right. And then we've got the whole self-esteem issue. The Mm. fact that I felt the need to have my beauty validated by external folks, external factors. So for a very long time, particularly as I was growing up, um, throughout puberty, secondary school, and then just up until like my first, second year of university. Genuinely, sometimes I felt like I was pretty or cute mm. or whatnot, but I never really would look at myself and say, wow, I'm beautiful. Right. Like, I'm stunning. Right. Like, I am, I'm all that kind of good stuff. And I think there's also something to be said about the fact that beauty is a very visual thing as well. Yeah. And the fact that we don't, as... <laughs> Sometimes it can be like cringe and moist to talk about. Yeah, you. It's all about the beauty inside and the beauty of your personality. <laughs> yeah, and all that stuff. shut up. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but those kind of things are important, right? The yeah. fact that we don't think of holistic beauty. Of course. So the fact that yeah. you know there is something to be said about personality because yeah. I don't know about you, but there are certain people that I think are can present as very unattractive because they have poor personality of course, or of poor, course. poor character traits. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, and then coupled with the fact that I did go through instances and bouts of being bullied, mm. it was for a very long time difficult to accept myself as beautiful. Right. And it took a very, very long time to finally get there. And one of like my biggest regrets mm. to this day is not seeing how beautiful I really am. Like I wasted oh. so much time. Listen, if I had the same, I wish I could go back to like 16 year old Renee and be like, Renee, none of these people are important. Yes. You're beautiful. Not only are you beautiful now, but you're going to be even more beautiful later on. Yeah. And just literally focus on you and all the things that you're trying to achieve. I wasted so much time thinking about like, how could I pander to external modes of beauty? How could I make myself more palatable for um, guys that aren't even cute in the grand scheme of oh, things 100%, like very absolutely healthy. bare minimum bums <laughs> and to be accepted and all that kind of stuff i wish that's like one of my biggest regrets i wasted so much time so. i thank god that like i'm not even that old yeah yeah and i can see myself like this yeah but what pains me is that there's a lot of women out there today who don't think the same 100 percent, and it is painful it, it is, is really really painful i mean i was going through my snapchat memories the other day and just seeing pictures that I took and I Cutie. thought, how could I not have thought I was Cutie. Like, Let me tell you, Courtney at 16, 17, what are you saying? What? <laughs> but at the same time, like, at that time though, you're thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm not it. There are so many girls prettier than me. Mm. I mean, we went to an all girls school, right? Yeah. But even if you didn't, you kind of grow up around people and you think, oh, she's the one who always gets the guys mm. and she's just objectively pretty, right? Um, I think for myself... I definitely went through phases of like similar with you, like having um, a weight issue mm. and being like the fat friend. You oftentimes question, I'm just not even pretty. No one's going to. And oftentimes being pretty is marked by 
do people like me? Yeah. Right? Do boys like me? Yeah. That boy on the bus, that that guy in this, our friendship circle, does he think I'm cute? If he doesn't, then objectively I'm not cute. <laughs> um, so that's it's why we keep bringing it up. Well, uh, you but know. some of them boys on the bus was like, "Ooh, sir, I can't wait to see you at three twenty-four yeah, today." But... No, I'm not gonna lie. I had good taste. Some of them were pegged. Even till see... now, when I see them no, about. But how? A hundred, can we keep it on the TMS podcast? Just keep it real. Some of them didn't pan out well. That's enough of the glow up. (laughs) (laughs) The glow up isn't easy for everyone. The long-term investment wasn't quite... We didn't make a return. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. But I think, um, yeah, but for me, another issue was growing up dark skin. Mm. Um, and growing up around the time where like, listen, we grow, we're, we're in a generation that's hella woke. When I was in secondary school, when we were in secondary school, <laughs> who cared about wokeness? No. We don't care. And I think it, it was Gosh, even worse, yeah, even, you know, way back. Yeah. Um, not way back, but like, you know, years before. No one cares about your mental health. No one's thinking about if you're going <laughs> home to cry. People would outwardly call you blick. Yep. You're darker than charcoal. Yep. You're, you know, go back to Ghana, especially being Ghanaian. Yeah. That was that running joke of like, Ghanaians are just dark, you know? There used to be that meme that would go around on Twitter of like three burnt plantains <laughs> in a pan and people being like, oh, how did these Ghanaians end up in my frying pan? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, rah, you laugh, but rah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like, rah, that's Ooh. mean. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's my people. Um, and I think it didn't help that growing up, um, so I have a younger sister, I have many siblings, but I have a younger sister who is light skin and she's mm. the lightest of mm. all my siblings. And um growing up, people would often be like, Wow, your skin is so fair. They'll obviously be speaking into you, but their you know, your skin is so fair. When people would go to her talk about her beauty, mm. it was like, Wow, look how fair her skin is, she's so pretty, being so light skin. Um, and that entrenched colorism that can be in West African culture and a lot of Asian cultures as well. Um, and so for me, it was just like, because I'm dark and I'm, I'm very like, girl, if you've seen me, I'm chocolatey. Okay. Go go watch the app to my sisterhood IGTV. You can see I'm there with all of the melanin. Um, and I absolutely love it now, but it took me a while to embrace that. Because for a, and I I had one of my best friends when I was younger. In fact, all of my best friends, all of my best friends when I was younger, mm. were lighter than me. Mm. They were either light skin, mixed race, or white. And so for me, it was like I see you guys always get the attention, and here I am on the end of the spectrum, right? Mm. <laughs> Hella lonely, mm. like where mm. are the mandem? And, and then you get people out like fully just calling me blick, and it's just like, oh, how do you get comfortable? in your actual skin like this is so much more than just oh I'm, I'm heavier than everybody I actually can't change this unless I bleach and I remember when I was younger um I go into detail about this on one of my YouTube videos but one of my um aunties or family members gave me bleaching cream I was like use this you know even out your skin tone and and look pretty you know be light nice. um Sorry. and I guess that that leads us naturally onto this place of as our resident historian, yes, ma'am, talk to us about the history of colorism, featureism, and texturism. Now, obviously, all of these are terms recently coined, um, but they are 
age-old issues um tracking back hundreds of years so give us give us the history give us the lowdown goodness (laughs) me how long do we have on this podcast you can go all you want we're here for to learn i'm screaming okay i'll try and keep it brief because i know there's a couple of other like pertinent points that yeah we really do need to touch on but in terms of what we've discussed so Mm. let's talk about what these terms actually mean so the first is colorism the 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 idea that there are certain pigments or colored folk who have certain privileges over others because of the color of their skin that's basic definition of colorism um and then there's texturism so Mm. particularly pertinent for people from african and caribbean heritages but people that have um certain textures are afforded privileges Mm, textures of hair exactly um afforded privileges over um other folk and then featureism so this whole idea that there are specific features that are linked to um ethnicities um nationalities and um certain ones specifically european ones Mm. or the closer you are um to european on the spectrum as nonsense as it is the more privileges you are afforded right so in terms of where it came from and how it originated most things can be tracked back to colonialism and imperialism so when um you know the europeans as well as the united states started the imperial enterprise we have a lot of european specifically white folk going to predominantly black um countries for the first Mm. time Mm. and that clashing of cultures for the first time resulted in a lot of power imbalances and power dynamics that were extremely detrimental to black folk yeah and I mean, asian before, people and asian folk before you know these clashings of cultures or before the imperial um, project occurred there wasn't in fact the whole idea of being black wasn't a thing yeah see racialization racialization yeah. was not a thing before, prior to um the imperial project yeah at least on mass as yeah. it is now like yeah. now it's actually a full-on world structure yeah but before it was more ethnic groups and your tribe precisely precisely so we have as part of the imperial project and it's a thing that has been like studied in sociology and philosophy and all that kind of good stuff but the lasting impact and imprint of um imperialism and colonialism Mm. was this whole idea of where what kind of things do we ascribe value to that are closer to whiteness yeah so this whole idea of normalizing in essence white people yeah and everything else is othered yeah so that now creates a spectrum yeah the closer you are to exactly hierarchy the closer you are to whiteness the more privileges that you yeah. get we see it in the united states where you have the difference between the quote-unquote house negroes and mm. the field negroes mm. the few the, the the black folk who tended to work the fields tended to be darker they tended to have kinkier hair um, whereas those who were mixed race or you know fairer in skin mm. or again closer to whiteness yeah um were more presentable palatable and um tended to work in the houses and that's actually part of the roots of professionalism too right this whole idea of like what is presentable hair right. what is professional and all that kind of malarkey that goes on um right now so the, like colorism featurism and all of that stuff was very much an attempt to wield power over these ethnic groups on mm. mass mm. and we even see it in places where there wasn't necessarily a large white presence so mm. even if it was like a settler community in 
um, Australia, for example, or in the Caribbean, right? Where you don't have a very large white settler population. Yeah. But the remnants of imperialism is still there, right? Yeah. You still have, you know, this whole idea of like, oh, if you have coolie hair yeah. or if you have like looser textured curls because you are closer in essence to whiteness, yeah. you are more valuable. Yeah. Or, you know, when we think about something like the French um, colonies, right? Mm. This whole idea of the mulatto. Yeah. Um, as much as it's been popularized in pop culture right now, it means a, a mixed race person yeah. or somebody that has um, whiteness yeah, in, in them. In them. So essentially all of these things were just attempts to um, segregate and create mm. hierarchy mm. Um, amongst black, um, predominantly black ethnicities, right. but also um, Asian folk too. Yes. yes. So it's crazy because it's become a global phenomenon where you will go to Asian countries as well as African countries, the most remote ones, mind you, and you will find... Despite the fact that, you know, decolonization has occurred, occurred, um, started in the late um, 20th century and pretty much continued until, you know, they kicked the Brits, they kicked the Italians, yeah. they, they kicked everybody out. Yeah. We still have this thing where the people that are closer to whiteness mm. or the standard of whiteness are afforded privileges, yeah. whether it be economic privileges, yeah. whether it be um, social privileges. Yeah they still have privilege because of their proximity to whiteness. And I really, we will definitely drop some more um, details in our weekly newsletter, but a great guy to read up on um, this about is Frantz Fanon. Oh, so good. One of the, he is an excellent black um, psychiatrist. Yeah. And absolutely groundbreaking looking at the effect of imperialism post-decolonization. We've made some strides. Mm -hmm. We're now having conversations about it. We're now in a place where even though we are in, you know, the 21st century, colorism, featureism, texturism has been so embedded in culture and society that sometimes we even miss it. Yes. Like when we think about things like preferences, that's been a really Mm. um, pertinent topic right now. Where do preferences come Come from? from? It's not just, oh, I prefer x because i think it's nicer definitely you need to also start to question and think okay why do i think it's nicer yeah do you ascribe a certain value to this particular this is feature this is it um i mean even things as as simple as you know lips and mm. nose and all that kind of stuff like the fact that we associate a lot of our caricatures of africans bigger noses yes. bigger lips yeah. all that kind of stuff um really really horrible derogatory um literature and images came as a result of mm. the post-decolonization period, but mm. also in the United States in particular, um, the Jim Crow era. Mm. So I could go on about this for ages. Yeah, man. But that's <laughs> essentially the roots of yeah. a lot of these yeah. um, terms. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's crazy because how it interlinks with obviously the standard of beauty is, first of all, yes, how, what do we see as acceptable? But also, what do we consider to be pleasing to the eye? Mm -hmm. A lot of what is considered beautiful is linked to one, divinity, two, art, Mm -hmm. and three, mathematics. Yeah. Like hundreds of years back in more, I guess, Renaissance times, people believed that beauty was just linked to God, right? If God creates something, it's beautiful, but not simply because he's made it, but because there are some things through their wonder and their awesomeness reveal the beauty of God, Mm -hmm. right? Then there's the other issue of um, art. People 
want to look at something and it be pleasing to them. Yeah. But what is pleasing is not the same culturally across across the world, right? Mm. And then the other thing is mathematics. A lot of people think that beauty is determined by ratios, right? So is your face symmetrical? What is the ratio of your nose to the rest of your face? What are, you, what are your proportions like? What is your mm. body's? And you see this a lot with like body and figure and stuff. The reason why like someone like Marilyn Monroe was hailed as like one of the most beautiful people of history was because of the way she appeared. Mm-hmm. But if you really go into looking, um, if you really go in and look at Marilyn Monroe's measurements, yeah. they are the most unrealistic measurements for a human body. And yet people still ascribe beauty to that and it becomes this unreachable standard for a lot of people. So when we look at the people who have had domination over these subject issues, mm. whose art do we believe to be more valuable? Yep. Whose um, uh, contributions to mathematics do we consider to be more valuable? And whose revelation of who God is in the world scene do we, continue to, do we consider to be more valuable? Mm. The West everything then becomes processed through that lens Mm -hmm. that excludes everybody else. And when we talk about the global West or we talk about um, first world countries, right? We're not just talking about countries with a wide population. We're not just talking about even countries with a wide economy. We're talking about these colonial empires and a lot of them, the damage they've done is wicked. (laughs) The damage they've done, the evil that they've done, um not not just not because of the people but in in terms of the mindsets that the are now entrenched right the, the psychological ramifications mm. and the thing is even if we're talking about like jim crow era era that wasn't that long ago it, oh and that's the problem Man. when when people say oh we're past and we've progressed past these things um and this is you know both to those who are listening who are from an asian and black background but also if you are listening and and our white sisters we want to talk about these issues because they are very real and they have very real consequences and we need to make sure that we're not the perpetrators of these things Mm. because the standard of beauty has become extremely exclusionary especially when you go and you see campaigns and they're just filled with people with fair skin and the darkest you see it a lot when you go into or it's changing now because of you know thank god for fenty beauty and like iman cosmetics and all these um cosmetic yeah pat mcgrath and all these brands that have done so well in in being inclusive yeah you see a lot when you go to the quote-unquote beauty supply store right the thing is in the name and you can't find (laughs) you cannot find your shade on the shelf yeah the only alternative from the same store is to buy a bleaching cream. You you can already tell there's a problem. There is a huge You can problem. already tell that, okay, so I am not included in what is considered beauty. Mm-hmm. The only way I can be included in these things is if I alter myself by a means which is actually very dangerous. Mm. You then see it in surgery culture, for example, to put yourself through... life-threatening procedures so you can be included in what is considered beautiful and even when you do alter these things there are still some things which make you excluded from these groups and mean that you will never be in it and so that's why the standard of beauty 
is such a toxic thing because there is no one example of what is considered beautiful. When we try to uh, achieve it, Mm. we continue to subscribe to these colonial ideas because it's what's beautiful in Ibo culture. It's not what's going to be the same as what's beautiful in the Shanti culture. Mm. It's not going to be considered beautiful in English culture. That is not considered beautiful in German culture. We have to explore all of these different cultures and what they consider to be beautiful. But unfortunately, with kind of the exportation of American culture and globalization and the Americanization of things, still the monopoly on what is considered beautiful and acceptable resides in the west Mm -hmm. in in the in the hands of the west and so that kind of brings me to ask how do you then get to a place once you kind of have to accept that okay maybe i will never achieve not even maybe i will probably never achieve what is considered to be beautiful by the mainstream right Oh, sorry. Another thing before I even go to this question, another issue, another major, because I ha- I have a really, as somebody who works in the beauty industry, yeah, yeah. I have a massive like pain in my heart about this because you then see people aspire to be, in fact, let me just leave it. So then that brings us to that, uh, uh, the question of once you have to accept that you'll never be, that like you'll never achieve the standard of beauty, beauty whilst mm-hmm. you are still beautiful, mm-hmm. how do you believe that? How do you believe you are beautiful whilst you don't look like the standard of beauty? Oh, that's quite a, that's, that's a very good question. Very, very good that's question. That's why I'm asking you. I know, I know. <laughs> um, it, first of all, it does take a lot of willpower it takes a lot of self-belief but it also Mm. means that you need to subscribe to a standard of beauty that is external from what is mainstream Mm. um so i loved what you were saying about seeing about the, the the history of beauty right when you were talking about um beauty and the divine yeah because you know being two ladies that are women of faith yeah the fact that we now have something else as well to yeah. refer to as our standard of beauty. Yeah. I mean, beauty is in all things that have been created, right? Right. So being able to refer to that as a buffer to the mainstream, because mm. one thing we also need to, to accept and really internalize is that beauty is something that is constructed. Yes. Once you realize that it's something that's constructed and not something that's inherent, yes. that means you can deviate away from it. Take that sentence and go play it to your mama. You can deviate from it. It's so true. It's not the norm. It's been cast as the norm, but it's a social construct. And once you, the the beauty, the curse and the beauty of social constructs, the curse is a lot of people assume that these things are inherent. Yeah, like race. Like race. They think that these things are, we are limited to them. Yeah. But the beauty is we're actually not. Yes. So once I started doing up, you know, what do you call it? Historian, sociology, <laughs> all them kind of things there, all of my interests, I realized, hang on a second. This is, it's, it's a farce. Yeah. Like it's actually yeah. a entire yeah. farce. Like, and not only that, but it also feeds into capitalism. Yes. Oh. Capitalism and patriarchy. Yeah. Those are the two words that are, you guys already know. No, we no. love it. We talk about it. <laughs> let me, let me deal with capitalism. Then I'm, I'm a come for you patriarchy. So with capitalism, we are, and I'm very passionate about this. We are made to feel insecure as a means for production. Yep. So we can buy the solution. So we can buy the solution. Yeah. That's why having the monopoly on the standard of beauty or having the monopoly on anything really yeah. that feeds our insecurity yeah. is really important to yes. manufacturers because they can manufacture yeah. the solution. Yes. I've been reading a and lot of And you manufacture books. the problem. Exactly. Exactly yeah. this. A lot of people think that when we think about big businesses, that they're only solving 
um, problems by you know creating solutions. Many businesses that are extremely successful create the problems mm-hmm. that they create the solutions to. It's like with makeup trends, mm-hmm. right? You go from a place where the trend is to have heavy makeup. Yeah. And now the same brands that were sending you, selling you the heavy concealers and the heavy powders and stuff are like, no, skin is in. <laughs> okay, oh. baby, you're going to have to buy all this skincare I as well. I just spent skin- 60 pounds on this foundation. <laughs> Legit. And it's like, but that's the only way you get relevant because that's the only way you stay relevant, sorry. Because if you fully solve the problem, you're obsolete now. Absolutely. Completely obsolete. Absolutely. They are solving the problem enough Mm-hmm. that you feel like you are you like, buy in you buy in right but they are also creating more problems yeah. such that they can continue to profit yes so once you realize that the standard of beauty in the mainstream is sometimes nothing more than a capitalist ploy mm. to exploit your insecurities mm. think about something like fast fashion yeah the fact that everyone buys new clothes Trends. but why because realistically you just need clothes to cover your body you just Functional. need a couple shoes that's but you have you so many things and you'll even buy shoes that are not functional because the trend says so hmm all Why? you high 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 heel wearers <laughs> that you look like freshly born lambs <laughs> <laughs> you don't need the shoe literally it is in some ways the standard of beauty in the mainstream is nothing more than a your insecurity on rotation on Ooh, rotation say it again. on rotation so we've dealt with capitalism yes. now let's let's turn to patriarchy because which Lord they go hand in hand they go hand in yeah. hand right but let's also turn to patriarchy right so we now have competing structures well not even competing complementary structures yes. where one is telling you capitalism is about like exploiting your insecurities right. specifically that we can provide a solution that we can profit yeah. on. Patriarchy is about how can I please men and yeah. how can I fulfill my duty as a woman yeah. through doing yeah. this. And even for being, men though as well that idea of having to now buy into masculinity exactly, right exactly. and and what masculinity is considered acceptable yeah although i I feel less sorry for men because they are also like co-creators of this um, i'm screaming i mean but we're Um, we're all perpetrating though we're all sustainers mm -hmm, of it mm -hmm. women are sustainers of it too right mm -hmm. i'm sympathetic guys (laughs) (laughs) but i totally get you you created this problem you really created this problem many of you created this problem and many of but the people who created these problems are dead yeah, but many of the ones that are continuing to perpetrate it's true. It's true. active. But it's men and women. Yeah, but men are yeah, they're, they're, they're No, because shy. they're the ones who benefit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. They're the ones. They whilst are the they main do, beneficiaries. Whilst they do have, you know, some drawbacks, they are the main ones that benefit because oftentimes women are seeking to satisfy, like you said about the male gaze, they are seeking to satisfy and pleasure you. Yeah. They are seeking to satisfy and pleasure men. Um, and be accepted by men and, and validated by men. Like we were saying with mm-hmm, our examples mm-hmm. of not feeling beautiful, mm-hmm. it was hugely dependent on the opinion of men. And these things, in terms of colorism, featureism, they impact women differently than they do men. Yes. So let's talk, let's think about, oh, let's dig into Ooh, it. Let me, even, let me even sit up yeah. real, real quick. Um, when we're thinking, and Frantz Fanon does an excellent work on mm. this in um, Black Skin, White Masks, mm. where he talks about, the fact that for let, let's take um, the black community as yeah. an example, right? You've got black men. The darker that you are, yeah. the more masculine you're you seen. But for the but same, for the for the same <laughs> for women, the same implication the for women, are. the darker you are, the more masculine you yeah. are. 
So it's funny because there are certain things, it's, it's really complicated and it's a really tough topic to have conversations about because mm. there are certain things that black men are actually, priv- like there's certain privileges that right, are afforded right. to them that are actively oppressing black women. Yeah, And it's hard to talk about because sometimes it may come across as though you're denying these specific oppressions that are felt yeah. by black men, which isn't the case. They're no, not mutually exclusive. Not at all. But you do need to understand that in certain contexts... Yeah, they're very multifaceted. Very multifaceted. And I remember there was a... I, I can't remember who's the guy that did it, who did like a psychological study on um, attractiveness. Mm-hmm. And had different races like rank each other mm, and stuff like mm. that. And black women were at the bottom mm. for every single one of them, mm. even f- for black men in yeah. terms of choosing preferences. Yeah. Black women were at the bottom. Yeah. And again, like this whole idea of patriarchy, yeah. capitalism, yeah. featureism, colorism, it disproportionately affects women of color. Yeah. Disproportionately yeah. affects them. But I, th- I think it all comes down to, like we've been saying, it all comes down to attributed meaning. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, true. That's the thing about racialization. That is the th- process of even um, sexism. Like it, it's yeah. this idea of you are dark, that means this, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and even those terminologies, dark, light, it's all racialized language, yeah, right? Much, much. It all puts you on a spectrum that brings you closer uh, it, it measures you based on your proximity to whiteness or not but i think it comes down to to be black means this to be white means this to be dark skin means this to be light skin means this and we need to evaluate what meanings do you attribute to people's attributes mm-hmm. do you get what i mean mm-hmm. like do you see somebody who is dark and automatic who's dark skin um, and darker in complexion and think you're aggressive you're masculine, mm-hmm. you're um, a threat. Mm. Or do you see somebody who is lighter and think, oh, you're softer, you're more trustworthy, all of that. Do you see somebody with an Afro and think, oh, completely unprofessional. And then do you see somebody with like, you know, sleek, straight hair and think, wow, you're so professional put mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Why do you attribute those meanings to these attributes? We need to question that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us have just blindly accepted those meanings and those definitions. Yeah instead of really questioning where did I get this from and how damaging or helpful is it, right? You may say, okay, wanting, thinking that straight hair is more professional is completely harmless, probably because you have straight hair. But the the problem is it excludes so many people and also makes them a, a victim to a lot of discrimination and exclusion that can often damage their whole livelihoods Mm -hmm. and you can't continue to be a perpetrator Mm -hmm. of that but also we we need to then problematize the things that we consider to be good you know the, the people that you do compliment as being extremely beautiful right I'm not saying don't give them compliments anymore, but what I am saying is question why do you think they're so beautiful? I remember when I was younger, whenever people would compliment me on my beauty, now mm. don't get me wrong, I think I'm absolutely fantastically beautiful now. 100, thank you. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but a huge reason what the, the biggest thing that people would uh, immediately go to when they were complimenting me was my nose. Mm-hmm. Out of all my siblings, I have the slimmest nose, right? Mm. And that's why people would like zero in on it. She's so pretty, look at her small nose. And it's like, why is having a big nose, a small nose, whatever, 
considered beautiful and ugly why is that a marker of that because it all goes back to that western lens of proportions Mm -hmm. we need to really start inspecting why does that happen like i even know for our (sighs) asian sisters that feeling of just huge bleaching culture Mm -hmm. the fact that if you want to get married the preference is all immediately to those who are lighter if you're of a lighter skin you're considered to be of a better class of people that is so damaging to not just your self-esteem but your actual life chances courtney when i say there's so many things that we can go into tangential things because do we even have time to talk about the fact that a lot of the features Mm. that are often like issues for women of color when they are transcribed this is the thing i said i was going to talk about that i said (laughs) you go there since you brought it up and we're on the same page i brought it why is it that there are certain features that women of color have been demonized for for centuries only recently like white folk are profiting yes and we're talking about things like traditionally curvy bodies right um, we're talking about things like big lips, yeah. right? Because we're seeing lip filler culture. Lots yes. of people are now coming in with the big lips now. Yeah. Um, this whole idea of racial ambiguity. Yeah. When you brought that up, I was like, hang on a second. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who are quote unquote blackfishing. Yes. Getting oh. the cornrows. They're not given, you know, the. <laughs> they're not given the credit where credit is due. Yeah. And it's like black women, Asian women, a lot of women of color have yeah. been demonized yeah. for centuries yeah. for these same features that a lot of women are actively now profiting yeah with. and it's crazy it goes hand in hand with the hypersexualization mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, black women particularly mm-hmm. um but also exoticism mm. that is seen with like south american women asian women um kind of the creation of the oriental yeah yeah, yeah. you kind of have this uh through, through western excursion and colonialism this creation of these women are also almost a voyage you know, they are, Such we want to explore, hybrid. it's just the objectification of women and, and a nuance of it, which is um, experienced by women of uh, ethnic minority groups. So you think of yourself, I mean, ethnic minority groups in the West, because mm. I mean, think of the population of like Asian cult, um, Asian countries and, and African countries and South American countries and others alike. Yeah. So when you think about um, these experiences, you think, okay, look at somebody like, Sarah Bartman? Yeah. 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 The the body of the black woman. Yeah. It's to be feared, but it's also to be exploited and desired to an extent. You know, people hypersexualize these bodies, want to engage with them, and then they become markers of femininity whilst excluding this group of women from the category, right? Because no matter what, you're still going to be a part of this racial group which is not up there on the hierarchy so no matter whether we find big breasts appealing and curvy bums appealing which a lot of people do because they're markers of femininity quote unquote or markers of a sexualized being no matter what we just don't want it on you because we don't consider you human We don't consider you worthy of respect. We don't consider you worthy enough to be engaged with, right? So we're not going to put you on a front cover, but those features pleasure us and they please us, Mm. which is why the Kardashians can go and get wide hips, big lips. They can go and do all of that and be seen as attractive, but you can still demonize somebody who has those exact same features, Mm. but has dark skin. Why? Because no matter what, they'll always still be black. 
and the Kardashians are not. How do you escape that? In fact, not even how do you escape that? Why, has, why does that system still exist? And they, they do profit off of it. I mean, yeah. you had Kylie Jenner out here. Love you, Kylie. But <laughs> you had Kylie Jenner over here, like, promoting a lip pencil and a lip kit. Oh, goodness, if we start For something she paid for at walking. a surgeon's surgery. Like, I... I <laughs> Courtney, I'm dying your face. And it's seen as that something revolutionary. Do you know how mad? I mean, even when um, Kim Kardashian had quote unquote boxer braids, and it's like, why is it? It's only when the the West. (laughs) It's almost like they've discovered these things. (laughs) (laughs) You you not just you discover these things, but you make them popular. Now they're seen as acceptable. Yeah, and even this whole idea. Courtney, there's so much we could talk about we really here. could unpack I don't, like, so much. We might much. even have to do a part two or something. Because <laughs> yeah. we also then need to talk about this whole idea of ghettoization in, in beauty oh, standards as well. say it again. We uh, this is where about... the class issue comes oh, in. Like, fam. Say it again. This is exactly where the issue comes like, in. the boxer braids, right? We can yeah. talk about things like the long nails, right? Yeah, the acrylics. Like the acrylics. Yeah, the bamboo things. earrings, the hoops. Yeah. All of yeah. these things were done yeah. and dusted. And it's, it, it's not until they hit the red carpet because that's when it's seen as acceptable art. Haute couture. So I think all in all, that's to say, learning to love your own skin in a world that constantly tells you that you're ugly. Yeah. Whether you are, you know, a dark skin, big girl, um, whether you're a bit overweight, whether you have acne, mm-hmm. whether you are, um, you know, you're growing up in a culture where lighter skin is seen as... Um, more valuable and better. Yeah. I think you've got to learn, like our whole rant has just said, to evaluate and really accept that beauty is a social construct. Mm-hmm. The meanings that we attribute to certain things are not set in stone. Yeah. Just because you have light skin, like that doesn't necessarily have to equate to beautiful. And I think you have to start living by your own definitions. And that really does come from an internal place of, like you said, for us with our faith, it comes from God. It comes from this understanding of having a personal relationship with him and realizing you're uniquely made and you're made beautifully, right? But then also having that self-esteem to know that your validation doesn't come have to come from an external place. I think that's such a uh, an important thing to know. A hundred percent. So this brings us onto a more challenging one. Yeah. How do you navigate learning to love yourself Mm -hmm. while still wanting to change things? Mm. So like, for example, with yourself, did you feel as though it wasn't until you lost weight till you could love yourself? Or Mm. did you start loving yourself before you lost the weight? Mm -hmm. Because you often have people say, Start changing things from a point of self-love. Yeah. Not so that you can achieve self-love. Exactly. But how feasible is that? Especially if you have something you really want to change. Yeah, yeah. Um, A couple of things. So first is understanding why you would want to change your first, yourself in the first place. Mm. Because a lot of us, especially when it comes to something like weight loss yeah. or weight gain or whatever it is, yeah. a lot of us embark on these changes in order to discover love for ourselves in order to discover our beauty yeah and if you're not at peace with how inherently beautiful you are because understand these things could change yeah like there have been times where i've gained a little bit more weight Mm. am i less beautiful now that i've put on like five pounds like you need to understand that 
embarking on the change shouldn't be from a place of I'm trying to seek beauty, but rather I recognize that I'm beautiful, but I can still change this if I I would like to. So when I initially started my weight loss journey or rather my eating disorder, Mm. um, it was very much from a place of, I think I will be more beautiful if I lose weight. Right. And it was funny because everything around me was validating that. Mm. I lost a lot of weight and everyone suddenly, oh, Renee, you're so pretty. (laughs) Oh, body, all of this and and all that good stuff. But then, you know, there were certain points where I was just like, it was never enough. You can never get to the end point or like the end goal. Mm. And it's always like, well, if people are validating me now, maybe if I lose even more weight, I'll be even more beautiful. Yeah, and And I'll be more accepted. Exactly, you'll be more accepted. So I think... It came to a a point where I realized, hang on a second. Mm. First of all, something like weight and something like the way that you look Mm. won't be there forever. You will age quicker than you think. Spot on. And there will be times where you're not happy with the way that you look. Yeah. And you need to understand that your beauty can't be defined at all times by the way that you look right now. Mm. And for me understanding that my beauty is more of a holistic thing right as you know annoying like we we were laughing in the in the beginning of this episode you Mm. know like this is it's ridiculous the whole personality thing but truly it is yeah understanding and actually sitting with the fact that i am beautiful Mm. really really helps a lot of us don't sit in our own beauty yeah a lot of us are in such a haste to change things because we haven't actually sat in our own beauty like i sometimes take some time listen the whole affirmation thing as moist as it can be sometimes, mm. it's really important. Yeah. Sometimes I just look at myself in the mirror and go, wow. Ooh, what a beauty. I'm good looking. Wow. I'm a looker. What a crikey. I'm easy on the eye. Wow. I'm cute. Stunning. Great. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you need to do, you need to back yourself. Yeah. And this came at, you know, points where I may have gained a little bit weight. I will still stand and look at myself yeah. in the mirror and say, do you know what? I'm good looking. Yeah. I'm smart. I am funny. I am pretty cool. I'm working on myself. I'm dedicated to working on myself. And physically, I think I'm pretty. So really working on loving yourself in the present, even though you want to change parts of yourself, is really important. And also having a positive motivation for change. So initially, I was losing weight to be beautiful. Now, when it comes to managing my nutrition and my exercise, it's more so a, I want to love myself more. Mm. And like, I know that in order to love myself more, it's more about self-care and taking care of my body as opposed to, I want to look a certain aesthetic actual health. Exactly. Thinking about my health. And that motivates me more because it's me showing, because I appreciate my beauty, I'm going to show my body the mm, care that it deserves, right? Mm. As opposed to I'm trying to get to a place. I'm yeah. already there. Yeah. This is just maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> this is just maintenance for the, the body. Do you know what I mean? Right. So yeah, making sure that there are positive motivations for changes from a place of understanding that you are already inherently beautiful has been a game changer for me so good to the point where it's like i used to feel feel guilty when i had like a cheat meal or whatnot Mm. because i thought oh i'm threatening my progress and all that kind of stuff people are not going to find me beautiful to be really really frank with you i'm so relieved that i've finally got into a place in my life where i can objectively or subjectively say i think i am the business right 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 like i definitely still have to um, you know, continue to develop and change, and there's so much to learn. Mm. But I'm happy with mm. myself right now in this moment. Yeah, and understanding that this moment, like how you are in this particular moment, you will never be again. Good. 
having some real appreciation for that. You will never be this young again. Mm. You will never look like this again. Yeah, you might never be this slim again. You might never be this slim again. I look back at some of my first Yo. year uni pictures and I think, why did I, why did I hate myself? And Three we're thinking good. this now. Imagine in 10 years time. Yeah. Imagine if we decide to have kids because yeah. that changes your body too. Completely. And understanding that also change, especially when it comes to physical beauty, is part of life. You will get older. Yeah. So you will have grey hairs. Things yes. will start to go south. Yeah. You won't be as, you know, fluid as you were to move around. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. That yeah. like the process of change, like the process of physical change yeah. is also beautiful. Yeah, the so process good. of aging, that in of itself needs to be an another comment. Because a lot of us have such fear of it. Like, oh, especially when you see it like, oh wow, you don't look your age. But what if I do? That's completely fine. Shouldn't I be looking my age? <laughs> What's wrong with that? Shouldn't I be looking um, my age? I think to kind of cap it off, I think I'm on the that I completely agree. If you're going to change, let it be from a healthy place and have yeah. healthy motivators. I think one big tip though is divorce like this idea that you have to satisfy everybody. Yes. You have to be beautiful to everybody. Ooh, that you have, to, yes. you have to achieve this standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. You really don't. You do not exist to please people. You do not exist to for, for everyone to find you attractive. And you do not appeal to satisfy everybody. Mm. Like we always say, like, first of all, people don't exist to fulfill your desires. Yeah. You don't exist to fulfill people's desires. Yeah. And that's okay. So that's, that's when you kind of take a step back from needing this external validation, but also take yourself off the spectrum of beauty you don't need to partake in it just because you know society can propagate it doesn't mean you have to use that as um the way you run your life and your perception of yourself I'm, 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 I'm but I, this, is, this is it like some of us will be i hate this game so much stop playing get out stop get you out. don't you don't have to why because it's easy to go on social media and think i'm not as beautiful as her yeah no that's not beauty is not about comparison get out of that kind of patriarchal hypercapitalistic toxic way of thinking of are you better than the next person mm. are you as beautiful as this person because there will always be somebody who is considered more beautiful than you why because beauty is so subjective mm -hmm. and all these standards of beauty are massive construct standards constantly change and exactly. if you let them rule your life you'll constantly feel like you're yo-yoing back and forth um, and then you'll wonder why you feel unstable and insecure because why you're not you be? you're not latched onto anything that's secure and stable. Mm. So divorcing yourself from those expectations are really important. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I feel like I've gotten so much off my chest. I know, right? And yet there's Cathartic still so much. Experience. Yeah, yet there's still so much to explore. But we want to hear from you, and we want you to hop into the conversation um, and talk to us about your experiences and your relationship with the standard of beauty, colorism, featureism. Um, have you experienced it? has this episode been enlightening to you if you didn't know much about these issues before so you can talk to us over at at to my sisterhood on instagram or you can come and say hi to us personally on our pages at cd boating and at renee kapuku and of course you can always tweet us with the hashtag to my sisters and join the sisterhood by signing up for our weekly newsletter so we can grow and glow together we'll talk to you very very soon and remember keep glowing and growing 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.